Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. The, the good thing, the way this draft is, is, has shooken out or shaked out or... Shooken out, I think that's true. Shook it, shook, shook, shook it up out. Voluminous, um, that's a new word I learned today. <laughs> is that there seems to be now a, a healthy level of competition. And Dave, I agree with your assessment of Drew Samia. Um, if, he can, if he can channel that aggression, when you see him finish a lot of his plays, respects people. I mean, the way he, he just he just blocks him into the ground and says, yeah, "Yeah, now I'm done with you, and I'm gonna go have sex that, with your mom." And there's that, not a thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the rules are out. We have lost the rules. How long did it take us? Nine minutes. <laughs> Good morning, Gallahorn! It's Dave, Ted, and Drew back again, this time with a special edition. Did you know that this is our 50th broadcast? And not only that, it is the 2019 Vikings Draft Recap. Woohoo! What do you guys think, Drew? I'm all drafted out, dude. (laughs) <laughs> you've done a lot of work you put yeah, together a whole lot of research prior to the draft with the drew's big board which needs to be made more public next time and then afterwards with the analysis that you're about to share those pearls of wisdom that everybody the, likes uh, to hear the yeah my draft went i had 139 players 117 got drafted so it's 84%. Last year was 82%. So I upped it a little. I wanted to hit 90%, but I didn't quite get there. But uh, yeah, it was a hell of a day. Fun tracking it. It was good talking to everybody on the thread. It was weird in the, um, you know, the the after the third third round craziness, you know, a lot of people were so pissed off, but we got <laughs> into it. It was a good day. It was a good draft. I had a great time during the draft. It was a really loaded draft with players this year. I had a good time. I'm, I'm good. anxious. Anxious. We had the live show, which was, wow, that was just crazy stuff. And I'm anxious to get your guys' take what you think of the Vikings' 12 picks. That's right, 12 picks. Well, we'll get to talk about that. Ted, how are you doing, and what did you think of the draft? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing well. I uh, 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 <laughs> No, I, I had fun. That, that live show, I really wasn't sure uh, how it was going to turn out. But man, I had a blast doing that. I I really enjoyed it. That was so much fun, man. I like 
overall, I like the draft class. Kind of what I thought was going to happen was when when Spielman was when Rick Spielman was trading down in the third round, I thought he was going to use all those extra sixth and seventh round picks to maybe get back up into the fourth round because I I think there there was a lot of talent in this draft, and I think you could found you can find starters or could have found. I don't know what the term is now that we've had the draft, but nobody's played yet. Um, they're starting material available all the way into the fifth round, I think. If you, if you do your homework and your research and all that, you can find the right guys that you can plug in and start. Maybe not right away, but, but you know, and the draft is built on, on – your depth is built on the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round. So Sure. I, I, Drew, I got the question um, – Madison, the running back the Vikings took in the third round. Did you have him on your board? No, he wasn't on. He, he wasn't on my board. And I had heard from some other friends of mine who do the same kind of draft system as me. A couple, of, a couple of them had him on their boards. They had bigger, bigger boards for the drafts for running backs. They had like twenty-five people, mm-hmm. and a couple of guys had him on there. And I was told by both of them he's a fifth, he's a fifth to a sixth-round guy. Because I didn't have any information on him, and I had to get information quickly because I'm going, you know, who the hell is this guy? So I got a couple of calls real quick, and that's all really the information I got until this morning when I watched a bunch of tape on him. I didn't have him on my board. He was totally unknown to me. I didn't watch any Boise State football last year. Uh, so I was – apparently we got him for – you know, Vikings had him a lot higher on their board, and after watching him on tape, he doesn't look like a fifth or sixth rounder to me, Ted. He looks like a late third rounder. He's, he's so- really good. You think that you think where the Vikings draft so trading so you think trading down as much as they did and then getting him at the end of the third round is was a good move. All I all. think it I think it is a good move. I mean, you can only know you only know by looking at college tape. I mean, of course they don't have the tape of him fumbling in the backfield. Nobody ever shows that. <laughs> but uh, I know one I know one thing. I was surprised by the pick of where it came at one oh two, and I was surprised uh when you look at a few of the guys ahead of him that we missed in that 20 spot area, when we started trading back like Saunders, the defensive tackle, my uh, Boykin, my sleeper wide receiver, he got taken there. Um, a couple more players that, that were Jalen Ferguson. He dropped the defensive end, which I had going like early second round. He was there. We missed out on him. He got taken at like 90, but uh, I, I thought when we took him at, at that high. I thought, cause I didn't know anything about him. I go, I had my Holy shit moment, but, uh, he must have been somebody they've been targeting all along, and he is a he is a powerful. Really, you got to watch watch the tape on him. I'm going to submit some stuff uh, later in the week on him, some other things. But he's got uh, he's a little bowling ball kind of a, but he's quicker. He's kind of a little mini Ladanian Tomlinson to me. He he likes to leave his feet. He can he's a he can turn in both speed and bull runs. And there was some. Inside the 10, he had some fantastic runs at Boise State where he carried two or three people into the end zone. He's always going forward. He's shifty, and he's kind of elusive and hard to tackle. That, that uh, sounds like a like, – what's that guy's name? OJ – was it OJ Anderson for the Broncos when Kubiak was the coach? That's a great comparison. That's a great is comparison. It, is it, I, and, and he can – it seems like and he's really he's, good out of the backfield too. And, and he's a guy that that when he was in Denver under Kubiak – he was a thousand yard rusher, I believe, wasn't he? Yes, yes. So, so every, you know, Kubiak's turned out like three or four guys that were. I mean, it, it, that whole system at Denver and the zone run, 
turned out thousand yard backs. I mean, wasn't he even running the scheme for Arian Foster when he was in, in Houston? I mean, wasn't that his deal too? I mean, I'm not, I can't remember. I would have to go back to double, <laughs> double check, but, but my, my initial answer would be yes. Madison looks, uh, I'm, I'm happy with what I've seen so far. Of course I have to research it more because I didn't have him on my draft board, but, uh, Oh, you know, you got a thousand yards last year. Um, he, he led, led the uh, led the Mount Western Rock over fourteen hundred yards. Oh, was he really? I didn't I believe I didn't, so. Yeah, I yeah. didn't look at the uh, conference stats, but it kind of took took my mind at ease a little bit because I am worried about Cook. I'm worried about our backup running running backs. We got. I mean, Cook goes down. You got Amir Abdullah. I don't know what we're going to get on Mike Boone. I would like to have somebody. I, or Rock Thomas. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what Madison does this preseason. I'm pretty fired up on the guy, though, from what initially what I've seen, but there's still a lot to look at. Well, you had like mentioned that Kubiak likes this style of runner. How much did you see Kubiak influencing this draft? Oh, the first the first four picks were offense. Were offense. I, I mean, in, in, <laughs> in, in, the Mike, in the Mike Zimmer era, <clears throat> in the Mike Zimmer era, they have not – Pick three straight offensive offensive players, much less four, to start the draft. They have picked three straight defensive players once. I'd have to go back and look at what year it was. I, I can't remember off the top. Of that. Um, but it, it is it was definitely uh, a heavy Gary Kubiak or or Kevin Stefanski or Stefubiak out of whatever whoever it was you want to call. <laughs> Well, uh, also, also in that draft room, absolutely yes. Maybe Dennison on the offensive line coach. Maybe he had some say in there too because we landed two, two of those four guys were big O linemen. Yeah, <clears throat> and getting uh, well, also, and and when you look at it though, there's the, the defense is set. I mean, Mike Zimmer got his way in the off season and got right. Other than everybody but Sheldon Richardson back, and to replace Richardson, he got a guy he used to have in his. Two and three guy rotation on the interior and Shamar Stephens. So, I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot barring, you know, maybe Nick Bosa falling or some something weird like that. There was really no reason to draft a defensive guy in the first even two rounds. No, I agree. I agree. unless you wanted to go for like Greedy Williams that dropped into the second and was available. Sure, but well, yeah, that was that was your that was your little yeah. love child all night on that. Well, it was so. my I don't know dude. Of course, I was picking Montez, Montez sweat, sweat all night. <laughs> but speaking of all night that night, I want to give a great shout-out to everybody that watched. That has was our biggest show ever. And from the three of us, we thank you. We yes. had a blast doing it, and I'm glad you enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that live thing again. That really worked out well. That really worked out. <laughs> we should we just, do In the Raw live after games. We should. I'll bet. Anyway, we'll, 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 talk, we'll talk offline. That's just an idea. Yeah. So, hey, Dave, let, let me ask you a question. What's that? Um, so, A, I, I assume everybody, we're, we're all happy with the with the Garrett Bradbury thing. Yay? Yay. Absolutely. I think it's Ab- the best best selection we could have done. Okay, Drew? Yes. I Yeah, I'm very happy with that selection. I, I haven't talked to anybody that isn't. All right. So, let, let, let me just throw this question out for, for the group here. Garrett Bradbury at center or Pat Elfline at center moving forward? I have changed my vote since the other night. I am now thinking Bradbury is the center. So I join David Stefano, Christopher Gates, and Eddie Van Halen. They were all and, in that boat. And, and I, I believe I was calling you her, 
heretical Philistines. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. I think it's going to be Bradbury at center now and Elfline at guard. That's I've, I've kind of swayed that way. And that's the way it should be, and I've been consistent. No, no, no. I don't want to say anything, anything should be. I want to wait till camp and let them figure it out because Dennison knows more than all of us combined. So, well, but I, I kind of feel that's the way. I kind of side with those guys now, and I don't mean to sound like I'm a traitor, but I think Pat Elfline is a tremendous guard. He was, a, he was when he in college. So, I mean, why not have him there? He's not. Do you think he's? A, I mean, Ted, you know, he played for your your college. Is he a better guard or a center? I mean, you. You know, he he won the Remington he he won the Remington Award as a center, but so did Garrett Bradbury this past year at uh, NC State. Um, do you do you still see Elfline as the center day one? Or you know, I, I'm starting to come around a little bit. I've gone back and I watched a little bit of video of Elfline at Ohio State as a guard, and the thing about Pat Elfline's game, his his strength, his complete strength is his ability to pull. And, sure. get to the, and get to the edge and get to the or to the edge on a run or the perimeter on a screen and be a lead blocker. Right. I, that I, I think that's easier to do as a guard than it is a center. Absolutely oh, yes. correct. And I and I always point back to that that pitch play to Jarek McKinnon at Soldier Field. That's my one of my favorite plays I've ever seen a Pat Elfline. When, when he like, housed it, when when, when McKinnon he's housed running, it. He's, yeah, and he's running side by side practically with him. That's yes. when I I thought to myself. That is the guy you need out in space. That guy is a dozer. But that play in particular was really, really – that just showed what Elfline can do. So, And I, yeah, I remember when, when Elfline was a guard at Ohio State, he might have been one of the best guys ever at OSU that could get out to the edge fast and set a block. And, and I believe it was Pat Elfline – yeah, you hold, that, you hold that helmet. But I believe it was Pat Elfline <laughs> – that got to the perimeter in that overtime game at the shoe a couple of years ago and knocked Jabril Peppers into the freaking ah, yard marker at the 10 yard God, line man. when Curtis Samuel ran it in for the game winning score. You know what? Now we're, <laughs> if we're going to start making shit up on this show, <laughs> if we're going to start making up stories, I can go story time too. I got a good one that involves Lee Corso. I pissed well, him off too. John Matuzak? John Matuzak story? No, I got, I forgot. <laughs> when I got done with the show the other night, my wife says, you didn't tell him the Lee Corso story. That's the funniest one you've ever pissed anybody off. And I said, oh, I'll save it for later. <laughs> uh, yeah, so now, Bradbury, but, I was really happy. I mean, is there anything bad about Bradbury's game? I don't hear anything bad about him at all. He's like a perfect human being, perfect football player, no off-field issues. The guy tore up the combine. He had the best combine besides, in my opinion, Montez Sweat. I think Sweat and Bradbury, from what I saw at the Combine, had the best Combines out there. The guy benched 34 reps. He's he's just – there's nothing bad about him. Well, the the only thing I saw was cons is he could get stronger against the bull rush type of rushers, which he's going to face. But playing center, right, like he is, and moving Elf to guard right next to him, that means – both of them are moving to pull or moving to go out and for the screens. And they're going to work in tandem. That's going to be an outstanding fit. The both of them together are better than, you know, each of them side by side. If you could do that, you know, it's one and one. It's not two individuals. It's one and one. It's going to make an awesome blocking well, you know, um, scheme for Denison. That should have Cook happier than all get out. 
One is the loneliest number, Dave. You know that. So I know it's better off. Yeah, one is lonelier than two. Or how did three dog well, say it? Two, two can be as bad as one, though. That's yeah, the loneliest number for two. Number one. Yeah, two can't be as bad as one. <laughs> and one we is, saw that. Yeah. And we and five can be an absolute train wreck, as we saw <laughs> last year on the Vikings offense. And then on two six. I mean, think about it. We got Garrett Bradbury, Garrett Bradbury, and and Pat Alfline. Week one. I mean, right there, we're already that we're doing. We we've kind of. I'm fired up already in the draft. We did, we did really I, All right. Now, take, since we're skipping around, we signed Klein in the offseason. Everybody assumes he's going to be right guard. But in the fourth round, we got what I quoted as the steal of the draft. Out of the, Arkansas. The entire. Or out uh, of Oklahoma. Pardon me. The out entire of draft. That's high praise. Out of Oklahoma, Drew Samia. Right? Drew, 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 Drew. 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 Spells it a little different, but that's okay. He is one mean motherfucker. <laughs> well, and he is mean. And he um he is fast. He gets to the second level. Right. The only knock I've heard on him is he's got a weird set of footwork, but Dennison will work on that. And that his aggressiveness sometimes takes the better of him and he doesn't play as disciplined as he should. Now, I suspect Dennison and some of the vets will help with that portion of his game, how to mentally go, yeah, be aggressive, but you go to this point, you remain at that point, you don't go over the board and forget what you're doing, type aggressive. He could very well challenge Klein from day one of training camp in August for what, that right guard spot. Can, can I throw this out there? Hmm. Um, I, I I agree that I don't know that Josh Klein's job is secure, but we were talking a minute ago, we were talking about Elfline and Bradbury, who plays center, who plays guard. I'm kind of getting on board with Bradbury going to center and Elfline playing guard. But when Elfline was second-team All-American at Ohio State and, and first-team All-Big Ten – you know, you can it, say at college. You don't need it, to keep saying Ohio State. It, it was, it was at, it was at right guard. Not. I know it was. At, I know it was. At he, right guard. he played. He played three games as left guard. But he when before he switched to center in college at Ohio State. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was a right. He was primarily a right guard before he moved to center. So I, I mean, is it is it a given? If we assume Bradbury is going to be the center, and I think that's the the the, the leaning, and and I'm actually getting okay with that. Me too. What what's to say Pat Elfline is going to play right guard, and they might put like a guy like Brett Jones, who they did resign, and he played he's played left guard. He 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 has NFL starts as a left guard in the right double digits, I believe. Yeah, at the job. I mean, I'm just saying. There's the the good thing the way this draft is has has shooken out or shaked out or shooken out. I think that's true. Shook it, shook, shook, shook it up out. Voluminous. Um, that's a new word I learned today. <laughs> is that there seems to be now a, a healthy level of competition. And Dave, I agree with your assessment of Drew Samia. Um, if he can, if he can channel that aggression, when you see him finish a lot of his plays, he respects people. I mean, the <laughs> way he, he just, he just blocks him into the ground and says, yeah, 
Yeah, now I'm done with you, and I'm going to go have sex that, with your mom, and there's that, not a thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the rules are out the We have lost the rules. How long did it take us? Nine minutes? <laughs> I mean, I really, I really like the potential of Samia. I, I think he's got you know, starting potential down the road. Here's what's kind of cool. And this happens every once in a while as you're a fan. It happened when I was researching Chad Greenway. This is the same thing that happened with somebody told me the other day, is it Samia? Is it Samia? I said it's badass. You don't need doesn't matter what you call it. but but I when I got to research it, when I started researching this guy, this is weird. I watched like two or three times the amount of tape. Uh, and Vach Lombardi has a really good breakdown on him. I watched more tape on him and studied more research and went to more websites to get bio information and, and college stuff and stats. I did twice as much work on that one guy and everybody else had him like ranked like seventh or eighth guard or right around that area, kind of a mosh uh -huh. pit between five and 10. For some reason, I kept doing more research on this guy. I really liked him. And I put the Viking watch on him when I was doing those uh, spotlights in February and and for some reason, I just kept saying something about this guy's tape. I really, I'm going to, and so when I made my board, I made him the number three guard. And I got some feedback from my buddy saying, dude, he's not the number three guard in the country. What are you on, meth? Who, said, who'd you no, put him I, behind? Hey, who'd you put him behind, Drew? Well, I had Cody Ford, number one. Even though I know Cody Ford's a tackle, he's that good at guard. I actually put him as the number one. I had him as my number one, uh, my number one guard. And then secondly, I had Chris Lindstrom because he's, to me, the best pure guard in the draft. So okay. I had Cody Ford, who's you know not technically a guard, but I think he will be at the next level. I had him one, I had Lindstrom two, and I had uh, Samia three. And the highest I'd seen him in any other drafts was, I think, I think uh, Draft Network had him at six, and somebody else had him at eight, and I think one person I saw had him at five. Either way, I, I thought... So much of them, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put them up there because that's what our boards are for. What we see, what we right. want, we do them how the way we want. We don't go by what other people say. And then the Vikings took them, and I just thought that that just felt like a connection. I did the same thing with Chad Greenway. I, I researched Greenway, and then we took him in the first round. I was like, hell yeah! You know, you just get that feeling of they took the guy that you wanted them to take, and they right. traded up to get him, which I but thought was was a great move. Yes, but that was their first trade up. They did try a second, but failed to consummate the thing. And and the thing about it was when the third when the third round got done you guys I thought he was gone. I was thinking there's no way we're going to get him after that after we took the running back with our third pick. Ooh. I thought, you know, and I had I had him down as going somewhere in the third round. So when we got him I was surprised. I was so happy, dude. It just it kind of was cool that you do a bunch of research and it comes together just how you want and they take the guy that you like. And it just felt mm -hmm. really good. It felt good. So he's probably my favorite draft pick. Speaking of the guy you like, in the second round, the Vikings took Irv Smith. Yes. Tight end out of Alabama. A pure, almost Joker-style tight end that should cause fits. And what this does to me, this gets me all hot and bothered. Because to imagine the Vikings, and Kubiak likes to run this, and so does Kirk Cousins. A lot of 12 formations where you have the two tight ends. You have Adam Thielen, Diggsy out on the outside. You'll have both tight ends lined up. However, one inside, one out in a flanker type position or both inside. It doesn't matter. And Cooker out of the backfield. My question 
is how is a defensive coordinator going to defend that? He's because gonna... it causes so many mismatches. You blitz, you blitz right up the middle. You put pressure on Bradbury. Cousins. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what well, you, well, you, you go after Cousins the only way you, put, you, you take that brick out and the whole thing topples. Cousins is <laughs> um, I I'm with you, Dave. I, I think Irv Smith might have been my favorite pick of this whole draft. I love a, the pick. What a great value at that point. I I, I don't, you know, and, and looking on social media and, and elsewhere, it, it seemed like Irv Smith kind of split the fan base. And I, I don't know why because. Really? I, in a lot of ways, yeah. I uh, well, is know, it because people are worried that Rudolph is going to go? Not so much that, but I, I think it was why are we drafting a tight end that high? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. Going into the draft, the Vikings needed they needed receiver help, and my thought was they would go after a wide receiver after they didn't do anything for Kyle Rudolph's contract. Um, when when they went and and got Smith, they got a guy. He's not the best receiving tight end in the draft. I th- you could argue either TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant is. Um, he's not the best block no. tight end. That, that kid from LSU, I can never remember his name. He's probably the best blocking tight end in the draft. But I would argue Irv Smith is the best combination receiving blocking tight end in the draft. And, and this dude is going to be an absolute weapon in both the passing game and the running game for the Vikings as a blocker. I, I, I just I just think it's a great, great pick. And you, you look at the offenses that Kirk Cousins has run in the past and that Gary Kubiak, Kubiak installs and runs, which are very heavily inspired by Mike Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan. It's very tight end – well, it's not tight end centric, but the tight end plays a heavy role and has a lot to say with how this offense rolls. And I really, really like the potential of Irv Smith, Stephon Diggs, and Adam Thielen, and you're right, Dave, that's going to be tough to defend. If, if this offensive line can hold up and give him protection, uh, it, it's, it's, it's an absolute weapon the Vikings have at tight end now. Well, the, the, the more weapons you have on offense, the more mismatches you can create. It all, comes down, it all comes down to mismatches. That's how Belichick runs his scheme. That's, that's how I mean, football's been ran for years. If you find a right. mismatch out there and you get it at the right time, you exploit it. That's why he. That's why Belichick kills people with the running backs all the time because of the receiving running backs. He kills them all the time with that. But, but Irv Smith, I got. I watched some footage on him. I took the computer over and I showed Ruby. I go, well, watch this one play. And I played it for, her and she said it looks like a wide receiver. So, it was. He looks like a wideout sometimes. He doesn't. So I'm thinking maybe sometimes there's our third wide receiver. In some sense, well, and, he looked. He looked. I mean, when he when he catches the ball and runs, he looks like a wideout. It's like what? Well, and with the Vikings not taking wide receiver all the way until the seventh round, if my memory serves, where they picked two, there is no wide receiver three competition per se, because yeah, I, we hope the guy taken from Oregon can beat. Treadwell. Okay. But stop. You're iffy, iffy. Right. Oh, hold, hold on. Stop. You're, you're talking about two seventh round picks. Uh, Dylan Mitchell and Ola BC. <coughs> Ola Bossy. Life goes on. Bra. Johnson. They're seventh round picks. Uh, you know I know they're going to be lucky you to make what? the squad. Take a dart and throw it at the wall. <laughs> What I'm saying is, 
you have all right, so our we have Diggs and Thielen, yeah. WR1 and WR2. Well, I think the most important third wide receiver is going to be Irv Smith. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. That's yeah. gonna it's gonna be you're gonna have Rudolph who catches everything. He may not get very many yards after catch, but he catches everything, right? And you got Irv Smith, who's going to be that quasi-tight end, H-back, wide receiver type that can do almost everything. He may drop every once in a while, but it's going to be rare. But he's going to get you downfield. And like he said, there isn't a linebacker or safety that can keep up with him. Now, we all know that is a great sentiment, but he'll be schooled first week of training camp when Harrison Smith puts him on his posterior but i love the attitude absolutely love the attitude what are you doing was that a dremel yeah <laughs> i was dremeling i was dremeling my bird's claws i was gonna give i want to give uh earth smith the buzz award because you know why ted's wrong he's gonna be better than fan he's a better tight end than, than noah fan he's gonna have a better career you really think so wow yeah okay. he's not you know what earth smith you know his biggest drawback is he does, he's not much of a blocker because he doesn't like to block. And he, his dad came on NFL Network and was walking around with a big sign saying, my son likes to block because he knows that's... <laughs> Are you serious? That's, that's funny. That's the, big, that's the big drawback on him. You know, some people, they don't want to... If they don't like being physical, you know, if he doesn't... But guys who don't like to block also don't like to get tackled. That's what Barry Sanders' always trick was. I, I, the reason I, I'm so elusive is it hurts to get tackled. I don't want to get tackled. So, Irv Smith is really good in the open field. I think he's going to be better than Fant. And I, I honestly think the Vikings, when they use him, they're going to use him in the slot a lot. And that is yes. going to create a lot yes. of mismatches. I, you, you watch him. And granted, you, you're right, Drew. It's college and, and, and film in college is like the NFL. But when you see him in the slot at Alabama, I mean, he just – he just owns the middle of the field. He just owns it. Yeah, yeah. He's got some. He's got some footage where he catches a ten-yard pass. It makes a couple jukes, and he's gone for sixty. Yeah. He's got, you're not going to see Rudolph do that. No. And um, so is you know, Rudolph going to be here? Is Rudy? Is Rudy a Viking now? Are we good? Uh, well, he we, still is. Well, have, did you see? Uh, As I guess of today, Charlie Walters. You guys shocked. know who? You guys know who Charlie Walters is? Yeah, yeah. from the Dallas Cowboys. Monday morning. No, 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 no. He, he's a. Uh, no. Long time St. Paul Pioneer press column. Yes. No, then I don't I, know him. I know the football player. He said uh he said something today about uh Rudolph is either gonna get uh a restructure okay. or he's gonna be gone. Okay, okay. So, so either either way it's gonna be they gotta free up some money. They don't have enough money to sign the is, draft class. Is, is Irv Smith ready to put out there week one, or do they have to work with him and kind of get him ready? I don't know. Tight ends are usually kind of kind of weird about getting them right going from day one, unless they're really unique. Well, he won't uh, be listed as this. If if Rudolph is still here, Rudolph is the starter. You don't list two tight ends as starters anymore. Um, I love like what you Ted, don't I, list yeah. a Nickelback <laughs> as a starter. I love that idea by Ted Glover, though putting that guy in the slot. I just absolutely love that idea. Well, that's I what I say. He's a joker. You can move him into the Y spot. And is he a smoker or is he just a joker? I don't think he's a smoker. I think that's Cypress Hill. Here we go. Here's the info on Rudolph. 
Is he a midnight toker? I mean, I need to know what he is. is <laughs> That's Rob <laughs> Thomas. Okay. Anyway. Uh, Charlie Walters says uh, Rudolph most likely won't be with the Vikings at all this season due to a trade or being flat out released. Woo! Okay, Irv. Irv, wow. get, your, get your fucking playbook together, Irv. Irv yep. Cross. Not Irv Cross from the old NFL show. Oh, that was oh, that was that was the best. That we're was, talking Irv, we're talking Irv, Irv Smith Jr., not Irv Cross or Phyllis George. Irv's gonna have to get it together week one. We need you out there, Irv. <laughs> now I like I like the pick. I think it was a great pick. Drew, speaking of competition, your boy from your school, Ben Gedeon. Now has some competition back there. He's not as good as Cam Smith. He's not. The Vikings Cameron. drafted Cameron Smith. Yes, What they is did. your impression of Cameron Smith? Well, first off, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Cameron Smith was involved in the eighth grade football league for eighth graders when he was in fourth grade. Somebody pulled some strings. He was so good at football that they got him somehow, the fourth graders, playing with the eighth, eighth graders. So he's always played with heavy competition above him. So I, Cameron Smith loves football and he loves to play. Give me a guy who loves football. That that's I like. That's always the first good step in the right direction. He's not flashy. He's not going to make a bunch of tackles behind the line of scrimmage. He's not a TFL guy. He's not splashy or flashy or any of that. But he has really good technique. He's really sound. He, he easy to coach. He's gung ho all the time. And I mean, 2015, he was so highly touted coming out of high school that. Pretty much everybody thought he was going to be the linebacker in the country, the number one linebacker in the country. I mean, he was all all Pac-12 his first year, 2015. He blew his knee out. Everybody thought he was going to miss the 2016 season. He was back week one for the Trojans, which everybody thought this is really weird. He blew his knee out. He's already back. Uh, he had 83 tackles in 2016. 2017, he had 112 tackles. In 2018, last year, he played only 10 games, but still had 81 tackles. He was second team, all Pac-10. The guy is just a consistent football player, but the reason he kind of fell a little bit and went where he did is because a lot of the GMs didn't think he was flashy enough. He didn't make enough big plays, uh, but he is solid. I had him at number six on my linebacker list for outside linebackers because I had two different lists. I had inside mm -hmm. and outside. And I think he's a solid football player. He, I think he's already better than Ben, ben Gideon. Um, sorry, Benji. But I think we got a good football player right there, and I think he's going to be solid. Kind of a little let, take. Let, let me ask you guys this. Uh, Cameron Smith is, is very similar in build to uh, Blake Cashman, University of Minnesota linebacker. Do you think the you think the Vikings were targeting Cashman, and then when the Jets sniped him, yes. they they picked they picked uh, they picked this guy instead. This I think you're a hundred percent hundred percent right on with that. I mean, I, the one fault I will give the Vikings, Cashman got so close they should have traded up and snagged him. They should well, have I, th done I think that was there. this the second spot or the spot Spielman referred to that they did try to trade up. They just couldn't make the deal. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't Guy, guys, I had I have a buddy who who really studies the defense more than the offense when it comes to drafts. So I kind of I kind of defer to him on a lot of things, a lot of players. He told me this morning, Drew Cameron Smith is Blake Martinez. 
all the way down the line. That's what he's 6'2", 238. He's plays like Blake Martinez. He's like Blake Martinez, who's not Blake, a bad football player. I should say Blake Martinez is, is currently on the Packers, and I, I, I think that whole linebacking core for Green Bay yeah, is, but if you, is, if, is really overrated. But you know what, Ted? If you watch their games, which a lot of them are on TV, so I'm kind of forced to watch that shit, Tim. If you watch their games. <laughs> hey, listen. Listen. Blake Martinez is the guy making tackles that other people are supposed to be making. If everybody was doing their job, Blake Martinez wouldn't look wouldn't look out of position so much. But he's having to be all over the field because they suck. He's the only good guy they have in my eyes. When I watch when I watch their games, he's a tackling machine. The, if Cameron Smith is going to be like Blake Martinez, I'm fine with that. I'm real. I really am. Okay, I'll, you're you're better at the X's and O's than I am. So um, I'm a, I'm better at the X's and hoes, not the X's and O's. <laughs> All right. Other than the last person. We drafted this weekend, and I want to save him for his own spot. Out of all those remaining sixth and seventh rounders. I know nothing about any of them. Does anybody stand out? Uh, Chris Chris Boyd, I think, the the dude from Texas. Yes, I do know Um, about him. I researched him. Out of everybody we did from that point on, he's the only one I did research on was Boyd. I, I think he's got a chance to stick around. Simply because Holton Hill is going to be suspended for four games. He was Holton and, Hill's roommate, dude. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, well. They joined committed well, to Texas well, well. on the same day together. Um, we smoke two joints in the morning. At <laughs> night, we smoke two joints. <laughs> I, I uh, Chris Boyd is is the only part of oh, football. Chris Boyd is the only guy that stuck out that that makes me think he's got a chance to play. A because he's a corner, and yes. and Mike Zimmer finally finally got himself a corner in the seventh yeah, round. And his reaction. Um, hey, who, hey, who's that guy from Elon that's eight foot four and nine hundred and twelve pounds? Who the fuck is that guy? I don't know who you're talking about, man. <laughs> that big lineman, that huge dude, is from Elon University oh, or whatever. Yeah, the uh, um, he's like Oli Simeka Udo. Only Udo. Only he, he, Udo. Weighed, he weighed like 63 pounds when he was born. I mean, it... <laughs> uh, by the way, just for the record, uh, Elon University, or is it the University of Elon? I don't even know. I never more, heard of it. Had more NFL draft picks, one, than Nebraska and Tennessee <laughs> combined. <laughs> Zero. Oh, that's the highlight of the show right there. <laughs> oh, that is, that is funny. More, that's well, baloney. Football Factory Elon. <laughs> That's baloney tech too, man. Well, I don't cool. know. I don't know any of these guys except for Chris Boyd. Well, there's one last one I asked you if you did research on, and that, that? is the final draft pick for the Vikings, long snapper Austin Cutting out of the Air Force Academy. Oh, yeah, Dave, I did a lot of long snapping research <laughs> the last couple of months. That's the first place we go. We look at linebackers, defensive tackles, and long snappers. Okay, can I go off on a little bit of a rant here? Oh, uh, by all means. Here we go. Here we go. Do it. Let's do it. What in God's name was Rick Spielman thinking? I, I, I'm okay with the trades. I'm okay with him, you know. I think for, for Rick Spielman to reach Nirvana, I think he's a Buddhist. And for him to reach Nirvana, at some point he has to own every pick in the seventh round one day. And I'm even cool with that. But 
But in the seventh round, and I, I get you're just you're just throwing darts on a board just to see what what you'll get. It's, it's all a crapshoot, probably halfway yeah, through the fourth round and on. The percentage of them doing right. anything, but is here's my like here's under five right, percent. Right, but here's my thing: you drafted a kid that has a two year military obligation up, and the deal, the Department of Defense reversed that policy in 2017 when we had a presidential administration change where it used to be under previous administrations, uh, the service academies would look to try and accommodate the player so he could still fulfill his obligation to the military, but be able to play. That reversed itself when uh, Jim Mattis became the Secretary of Defense, who I absolutely adore. I love Jim Mattis. It's a lot of great knowledge right here. I'm you writing all right, brother. But here, on, let me write, write this down. But here's down. the deal. That they reversed that policy, and now one player that's been drafted in any sport that I'm I'm pretty sure it's any sport, uh, d- definitely the NFL, since the new policy change, has been allowed to play. And I kind of agree with it. Like, th- the United States government is giving you a four-year engineering degree. Sure. And and at the end of it, you owe me two years on active duty in the service. You get accepted to the academy. You right. go and you... You serve your country because you said you would. You said you would. So fulfill your freaking obligation, man. That said, congratulations, Cadet Cutting. Cutting. <laughs> uh, seriously, I, I mean, I mean, making it making it four years through a service academy is something I couldn't have done. I had to go through OTS and I had to go through walk school, and it about killed me. I, I just I couldn't stand dealing with that bullshit. Pardon my language for four years. The the the, the crap those guys have to do. Um, instead of going amazing. to a, a traditional school, is very impressive. So if if there's a way that that can work out, fine. But I think I think it was just a not because he's an Air Force kid and he's a long snapper. I just think when when you have this two year service obligation and you make that pick, it's just stupid. Right. This is yeah. flat out stupid. Yeah, was, well, was it, was that, it, that, there's got to be somebody else you could take. I mean, oh yeah. You find long long snappers at the 7 Eleven. I mean, I mean bring bring a you, kicker you, you in for the UDFA. Put a well, kicker in for your last pick and have him have him maybe knocks knocks Bailey out of the water. Who knows? Well, I mean, um McDermott's contract lasts the next two years. Wait, I'm giving Ted's rant the buzz. <laughs> there we go. Okay. McDermott's contract lasts the, the next two years. He's been with us for he was here like an 88 or second fucking guy's been here forever, hasn't he? <laughs> Well, you know, and you might say Spielman's forward thinking, um, but I don't know. Come on, Dave. I know. Forward and believe it thinking. or not, Ted doesn't like it, and Drew doesn't like it that much. PFF has accuracy numbers on his snaps, and he somebody, was okay. Somebody was the has most way accurate. too much time on their hands. Hey, they have and, way too much time yeah. on their hands if they're doing PFF grades <laughs> for long snaps. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nobody cares. No, I'm not sorry. That's just dumb. That's just flat out stupid. Yeah, you don't need me. Hey, can can one of you guys do me a favor for the sake of the listeners? Can you get a list of the draft picks in front of you and read the names and what order they went in? So everybody, because we haven't done that yet. Can you start off in the beginning? Name the player, name the school, name what round he went in. First round pick, uh, 18 overall, Garrett Bradbury, Center, North Carolina State. Round two. 50 overall, Irv Smith, junior tight end, Alabama. Uh, round three, after four trades down, pick 102 overall, Alexander Madison, running back, Boise State. 
Fourth round, um, Drew Samia, offensive lineman, Oklahoma, 114 overall. Fifth round, 162 overall, pick 24, Cameron Smith, the linebacker from SC. Uh, the sixth round, Armand Watts, defensive tackle, Arkansas, 190 overall. Um, also in the sixth round, 191, Marcus Epps, defensive back, Wyoming. The last pick in the sixth round, 193 overall from uh, Elon Football Factory. Round seven, third pick of that round, 217 overall, Chris Boyd, uh, defensive back from Texas. 25th or 239 overall, Dylan Mitchell, wide receiver, Oregon, 247 overall. Olabisi, Olabasi, life goes on, Broad Johnson, wide receiver, Colorado State. And round seven, Austin Lieutenant, Austin Cutting, Air Force. I don't think he's lieutenant yet, but well, it almost be soon. cadet. Yeah, cadet. thank you, thank you cadet for reading the whole list. I know people are going to say after the show, I go, "Who are all our picks?" So that that roll that in the front. <laughs> well, uh, well, and that we needed to wrap that up, and that's a beautiful way to do that. Any last words, Drew? Meow, meow, Mike. Uh, I think we did. I feel, I feel, I feel pretty good about how the draft went for us. Now we just need to play it out and go to camp and see what shakes out. Well, I think we're going to get into a few more in-depth stuff as the weeks go on, as we work up to camp. We have mini camp coming in a week, I think. Nice. And and so we'll go from there. Dr or Ted, you got any last words? Great draft weekend. I really enjoyed the show. I liked the – I wish we on a show uh, for the second and third round. I think that would have been even more entertaining once we got <laughs> you know, all the trades. You know, I almost asked you guys going <laughs> – I mean, it was pretty exhausting. I was pretty tired. The next yeah. morning, it was, it was the first time, like my wife said, you look, this is the first time you look like you've done one of your old shows, music shows. Like today, uh -huh. you just look spent. And I go, it feels like that. It feels like I was, but I was, I was going to go, wonder if they want to do another one. So I couldn't, I, I would have loved to, but I just had, I had stuff going on Friday night. I couldn't, but I, th I think we kind of nailed the live thing though. We ought to do it more. I like yeah. the idea. I, I liked, uh, I liked the draft. I like how it panned out. I know some fans aren't happy with, uh, with a couple of picks. I, I'm good with it, and now it's on to the Battle of Winterfell tonight. And Absolutely. Dave, Dave, you saw you saw Avengers Endgame. Give everybody a big spoiler right now, and bring it in the front of the show. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, that I don't was even know what that fantastic means. Fantastic movie. I don't know what Endgame means at all. What is what is it's it? It's the Avengers. It, it's the Harry, last Avengers movie. It's not Harry Potter or something. I mean, what is no. it? It's the oh, Avengers and, and, uh, and Black Iron Panther Man, and Captain America, Thanos, Captain America, all those yeah. guys. It's the last oh. movie in the series. Okay, okay. It's a three-hour movie that will have your emotions going from high to low to high to low to high. Now you watch everybody the die. Theater. Let me guess. Laughing, clapping, uh, cheering, crying, Absolutely. sobbing. Okay. Anyways, everybody. I want to thank you for a great show on draft night day Thanks, one. Guys. Thanks for following us all over the web all weekend. Glad you enjoyed the draft. Win a bitch. Hopefully everybody Win likes bitch. the Vikings draft least overall. Goal Vikings. You guys rock. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.